1: Now what will thoughts of the future do As you stand before Jesus Christ as judge Well for one thing it will deliver you From the fear of man because it is Christ's view Of your work that ultimately matters He is the judge not people And that my friends ought to deliver you From the bondage of man It really makes no difference what people think about you And about your witnessing Although it's, uh, it's difficult now You've got to put that out of your mind Because someday that will mean absolutely nothing
2: Listen to these words from Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And then a couple verses later, the 24 elders say, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bond servants, the prophets and the saints who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Whenever I read those verses, the opposition to the gospel that we all face seems to me to be a lot less intimidating. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, the Apostle Paul gave Timothy and us, by application, a command. He said, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. This comes on the heels of chapter 3 in which Paul gave the young preacher some tools for facing troublemakers and opposition in the church. Tools that will work just as well for us as they did for Timothy. And now he says, No matter what, preach the word. Here's Pastor Steve now to continue teaching verse by verse through 2 Timothy chapter 4.
1: Now, that is Paul's point. When he says in verse 2, preach the word, in context, he is talking about the God-breathed scriptures. Give it out. Preach it. Really, uh, you might think, did I just hear this message this morning? But really, it was different. Uh Some things are parallel, but it's different. Preach the word, be faithful. The proclamation must be delivered exactly as it was handed to him. You've got to be faithful to God's word. You don't don't negotiate. Now, that is important that you understand what a herald is because you and I are heralds as we witness, as we evangelize. As I teach here, I'm a herald. As you speak to someone else about Christ, you are a herald. Now, it's very important to understand that because when you look back at verse 1, you'll understand the seriousness of reliability. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom... And then he says, preach the word. Paul begins his exhortation by stressing the seriousness of it. Why such a solemn charge? Why why so serious? Well, it's true that Paul was facing execution in a matter of days, weeks, months. His head would be put on a chopping block and it would be cut off. He understood that. He writes that in verse 6, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He understands that. He understands that his life is about to end and it's a very serious matter because he is passing on the baton to Timothy. He is passing on the mantle and he's saying, Timothy, I'm out of here very shortly. And it falls upon you to proclaim the word. And while that is true, that is not the heart of what Paul is really saying here. That is not really why it is is so serious a matter. Beyond all that, the more serious matter was that someday Timothy will have to stand before the judge. Before Jesus Christ and give an account of whether he was faithful and reliable in preaching the word. And folks, you and I are going to have to do that someday. We're going to have to stand before Christ at what the Bible calls the Bema seat of Christ, not really the judgment seat. It is a seat in which we will be held accountable for our works, for our service to Christ. First Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians five, the Bema seat of Christ. And we will stand before Jesus Christ, and we will have to give an account of whether we were faithful and reliable in giving forth the message exactly as he gave it to us. So Paul directs Timothy's attention to God the Father and the Lord Jesus. In fact, some Greek scholars would say, notice this, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. They would translate that, the presence of God, even Christ Jesus, and that's very possible. But in either case, the point is that he summons Timothy into the very presence of Christ to receive this charge. Why? Why would he do that? Why not just say, Timothy, listen, someday you're going to have to stand before God. And, he, and, and you've got to have to be careful about this. Why does he summon Timothy into the presence of God to receive this charge? It is to motivate Timothy and to motivate all of us by way of application to be faithful to this charge, to preach the word, because it was really given to him by the one who will judge him. Now, this judge is different from any other judge. If you stand before a judge uh, someday just for a, a legal matter, uh, there's going to have to be witnesses and people have to say, well, here's the way I see it and here's what happened. Before Christ, there will be none of that because he sees all. He evaluates the heart. He is watching now. He is reading your, your mind. He is reading your heart. When you leave from here, he knows just what you're going to do. When you get up in the morning and you go to work, he sees it all. He is omniscient. He'll never have to call witnesses. He'll never have to call people to, uh, you'll never be able to call people to speak for you. It, you'll never be able to give any excuses. He knows it all. And in the presence of this great judge, Paul says to Timothy, I'm telling you, I charge you, I solemnly charge you, proclaim the word. Be faithful to it because someday, Timothy, you will stand before this judge who knows all. This is the one who is coming. This is the one who is coming to establish his kingdom. This is the coming king. This is the ultimate authority. This is the judge of all mankind. In fact, he says that, that who is to judge the living and the dead. And, and I take it what he means here is that if you die, you don't escape this judge either. Whether you live or whether you die, you will, as a believer, stand before him and be evaluated for your reliability in spreading the gospel and proclaiming the word of God. So Paul's thought is this. Even though the days are difficult, Timothy, and you may not want to proclaim the truth, someday you'll have to give Christ an account of how you carried out this charge. Now, Paul understands that, that these are difficult times. And Paul understood that Timothy, uh, perhaps being uh, shy in temperament, perhaps uh, not being as tough-skinned as Paul, maybe wanted to retreat for half the year, maybe he didn't really like confrontations. And Paul is saying, listen, that is not the point at all. The point is you've been given a charge. And the judge will someday evaluate that, and you had better be faithful and reliable in giving out the word. You see, if you're going to be faithful as a witness for Christ, if you're going to be faithful as a teacher, as a preacher, then you really need to stop thinking of the present unpleasantries associated with witnessing. And there's no question about it. There's no question about it that witnessing sometimes is very unpleasant. Uh, There are people who don't like you. There are people who, who really are disturbed that you would dare to speak to them about the issues of sin and the need for repentance. And there's no question about that, that you might even lose your job You might not get that promotion, but the key to being reliable in the present is to think about the future. That's what you have to do. You've got to lift yourself out of the unpleasantries and remember what the future holds. Now, what will thoughts of the future do as you stand before Jesus Christ as judge? Well, for one thing, it'll deliver you from the fear of man because it is Christ's view of your work that ultimately matters. He is the judge, not people. And that, my friends, ought to deliver you from the bondage of man. It really makes no difference what people think about you. And about your witnessing. Although it's, uh, it's difficult now, you've got to put that out of your mind because someday that will mean absolutely nothing. You know what I try to, to think of when I'm faced with a situation that is difficult and, and in my flesh the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and I don't want to do it. You know what I try to think of? Listen, in, in 10 million years this won't mean anything. Oh, really. This really won't mean it. In, in fact, probably in 10 days this won't mean anything. But I try to think like that, that the only thing that counts is that someday I'm going to spend eternity with Christ and I want to be faithful. And someday I'm going to stand before him and uh, that's really what counts. And so I would encourage you to do that. In 10 million years, it really won't matter that your neighbor got disturbed at you because you witnessed. It really won't matter that uh, in that fellowship group you were bold or you confronted somebody about their sin and they didn't like that. In 10 million years, it really won't matter. delivers you from the fear of man. It is Christ's view of your work that really counts. Ultimately, that is all that's important. Secondly, a view of the future will give you the incentive to persevere because you know that your service for Christ is not in vain. It's not just busy work. Isn't that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. What's he talking about? In light of the of the coming resurrection and being with Christ, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Folks, we're, we're called to be reliable. We're called to be faithful, faithful proclaimers of God's word. And what does it mean practically to us? Let's be very practical. It means that when you speak for Christ and now, unlike this morning, I'm going to lift it out of the pulpit. It means for you as you witness that you don't give your opinions. There are many people who witness and they witness their opinions. Do you know that I'm convinced that many unbelievers have never heard the gospel because what they've heard from their friends is a conglomeration of all kinds of, of things, opinions, legalistic things, all kinds of standards, cultural things added, but not the gospel. Many people don't know what God has said because God's heralds have confused many with the message. That's absolutely true. There are many people who have added man-made rules to the scriptures so that cultural rules are equated with the Bible. And people can't distinguish what your preference is and what the the gospel is. There are people who uh, equate movies and television with with, uh, coming to know Christ. There are people who will deal with Sunday practices and, and all kinds of things that uh, are really conscience issues. Now, there may be some good reasons for refraining from some of these things in your own conscience and in your own home, but that is not to be equated with Scripture. But there are many people who cannot separate. They do not. I shouldn't say they cannot. They do not separate that as they give out the word. They, they kind of put all these things and the word mixed together, and you can't expect someone who doesn't know Christ to figure this all out, to separate it. We're to be reliable in giving the Word. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It also means that you don't spend your time defending the faith instead of presenting it. I remember when I first came on staff at Lakeside, I was the minister of evangelism. And uh, we had a a ministry at that time called Evangelism Explosion, very wonderful ministry of training people and, and equipping them to present the gospel. It was very good. Very helpful. And one of the things I I determined at that point, that I would not train people to be great defenders of the faith. To say that there's not a time and a place for that, but I found that many Christians get tangled up in, in defending so much of the faith, they never get around to presenting it. They're always defending it. And unbelievers will love to get you engaged in all those kinds of uh, discussions. Well, what do you think about the heathen? And so for a half hour, you're discussing the heathen. When right in the the man's living room, he is the heathen. He needs to hear the gospel. And we're discussing somebody in Africa or Asia. Or what do you think about about this? Or what do you think about evolution? Listen, there is a time, there is a place to defend the gospel. But uh, the charge is to proclaim it. Proclaim the word of God. And don't hesitate to to proclaim God's word. You say, well, what if they don't believe the word of God? It is still God's word, whether they believe it or not. It is still the power of God unto salvation, whether they believe it or not. It was uh, someone who said that, listen, if I come into a home and I have a gun on me and someone laughs and says, Haha, I don't believe that works. It doesn't matter what they believe. You pull the trigger and uh, they're gone. It works. What does it mean for our church? For our church, it means that Sundays are given over to the exposition of Scripture, not Christian films. They have a place, but not to substitute the preaching of the Word of God, not over to, to concerts generally, not over to testimonies. Proclaim the Word of God. A number of years ago, I picked up a, a picture from uh, the Billy Graham headquarters, picture that has never ceased to move me. It hangs in my office now. It's a picture of R.A. Torrey, who was the first president of the Moody Bible Institute, with with his hand on a young man's shoulder. In fact, it's the artist's father when he was a young man, on his shoulder, looking him straight in the eye, saying, preach the word. I've never forgotten that. I keep that up as a reminder because that is the charge for this day. You can defend it, you can guard it, you can retain it, you can be orthodox, but you must sometime get it out. So we are to be reliable. If you want to be an effective proclaimer, be reliable. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to come up with a whole lot of stories to make it more attractive. And I find many people doing that. Give the word of God. That is the power. That is our calling. The second quality that we need to be effective proclaimers of the word is readiness. Not only reliability, but readiness. We've got to be ready. Look at the, re- look at the next part of verse two. Not only preach the word, but be ready in season and out of season. Now, the authorized version translates this first word, be urgent. And yet the thought in the Greek language is more be ready than be urgent. You could translate it that, but it's really, the word is used more to be ready than be, than, than be urgent or be instant. The Greek word means to stand by, to be at hand. Uh, it was used in a military context to mean to stay at one's post. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is you are always to be on duty. You are to be ready always. In other words, be always ready to proclaim God's word. Preach the word, be ready to, to do it. And that's why he goes on to say in season and out of season. In other words, be ready to preach at every opportunity. Be ready to press home the truth at every occasion, whether the circumstances are favorable which would be in season, and whether they are unfavorable, which would be out of season, there is no close season for proclamation, there may be close season for hunting, but not for proclamation. Be ready, opportune times and inopportune times now, listen, this is very important. this is not to say, and this is not to be taken as an excuse for being obnoxious that 's the tag and that that evangelicals have. For evangelism, and uh, in many respects, that is absolutely valid. This is not an excuse for rudeness or pushiness. Someone says, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Jesus said, Don't throw your pearls before swine. It's all right, back off. I- I've said to people, Can I give you this? And they've said, No. Okay, then you say, Well, what do you do then? I don't give it to them. It's just courtesy. So, this is not an excuse for rudeness or pushiness or insensitivity. But what it is, what it does mean is we are to take advantage of the opportunities to speak about Christ. Paul said it so well in Ephesians 5.16. He said, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Redeem the time. In other words, seize the time. Buy up every opportunity. Be on the, the the lookout for opportunities. Be ready always. And that's how Paul lived. Paul witnessed in the most unusual of circumstances. If you study the book of Acts, you will find the man who practiced what he preached, Paul, for instance, he's on a stormy sea and everybody thinks that the boat is going to crash and they're all going to die. And Paul says, wait a minute, an angel of my God appeared to me. And, he, and the guy starts preaching. Now, one hair is going to, to be lost and all of it. And he goes on and on. He uses that opportunity when men are fearful to speak about Christ. He's on Mars Hill in Athens. And he comes across a statue that says to the unknown God. Now, most of us would take pictures of it so we could show it back in the church. Here's the unknown God. Paul said, aha. And as he stood there, he said, gentlemen, and to the Stoic philosophers, he said, gentlemen, let me tell you about the God who you can know. And he preaches this marvelous message. You know what they said to him? Let's hear what this chicken babbler has to say. That's literally what they said. We love to hear newfangled ideas. We love to hear the philosophers. Let's listen to this chicken babbler. And Paul speaks about Christ, and they let him speak until he spoke about the resurrection. Then their Greek philosophy wouldn't allow him to go on. How about in prison? It's an earthquake, and soldiers are leaving, and the guard wants to kill himself, and Paul says, wait a minute, and he preaches the gospel to him. Marvelous. Most of us, including myself, I would have raced out of that prison. I would have been gone. And Paul, no, not him. You see, he, he redeemed the time. He seized every opportunity. He was ready in season and out of season. In prison is probably out of season. How about Paul in the temple courts in Acts chapter 22? There's a mob. There's an uprising. He speaks to them, and he, and he has the frame of mind to speak to them in Hebrew. When you're in Jerusalem, and you're on the, tem, and you're on the temple steps, and you've got a whole crowd of angry Jewish people in front of, in front of you, don't speak Greek. I mean, it just makes sense. Become all things to all men. So he speaks in Hebrew and it kind of calms them down. And He he proclaims the gospel. That's Paul, ready in season and out of season. However, where did Paul learn this? He, He was just like the master. Jesus was like that. You study the Gospels and you see that Jesus spoke in the most amazing situations. He he had what we call a parabolic approach to life. That is, he would be walking with his disciples and he'd say, you see the the uh, the birds of the air, you see how the Father takes care of them? That's the way it is with you. Every opportunity, in season and out of season, a woman at the well, he said, he said to her, he said, listen, you're thirsty for water, that won't quench you. I can give you water that will always satisfy you. And she said, Give me that. Tell me about it. Then he uses the illustration of the gentle blowing of a breeze, the night air in Israel, to explain the new birth to a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. You can't figure out where the wind is going, you can't figure out where it came from. So the Spirit of God blows and people are born again. And you don't understand that? And you're a leader in Israel? See, that's the master, in season and out of season. After a tired day, Nicodemus, a a very wearisome day, Nicodemus comes to him at night, and Jesus didn't say, sorry, the office closes at six. No, ready, always a readiness. You see, this is is what it means uh, that you are uh, to be ready in season and out of season. You are always on duty, looking for opportunities to give a witness. Now, sometimes, don't force it. I've been in situations which I wanted to say something, but it would just be forcing it. But be there and be ready when the opportunity presents itself. Now, let me give you an example. Your Sunday school class would be in season, but Thanksgiving dinner with relatives who don't know the Lord and perhaps are antagonistic to the Lord, and someone brings up something about a religious situation and they say, what do you think? That's out of season. Go get him. That's what he means. Be ready. Be ready. For me, in the pulpit would be in season. But I tell you, when I'm at my son's little league game and I'm standing next to someone, he says, so what do you do for a living? That's out of season, but I need to be ready. And what this means is that you can't let down your guard. You can't let down your guard and and say, listen, when I'm in church, that's when I'm ready to speak. You, You caught me at a bad moment. I didn't have my quiet time for three days. I can't speak to you. I knew somebody. I knew somebody at uh, at Moody who um, she was going to uh, to work. She worked at a, a, as a maid uh, after school, and uh, she was going to work at this house. And uh, we spoke about uh, witnessing, and uh, and she said, "Oh, I, I can't witness today. I don't have a track with me." That's not what what Paul means by being ready in season and out of season. Well, it means you don't let down your guard. You are always available to the Lord to speak for him when it's convenient and when it is inconvenient and your minds and your and your hearts need to be so filled with the word of God that when the opportunity is there, it just spills forth. You can't be out of touch with Christ. Let me show you what I mean. First Peter, chapter three, verse 15. This is a wonderful truth that uh, we ought to memorize and hide in our hearts, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, set him apart as Lord, always be under his submission, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and with reverence. In other words, when Christ is reigning in your life and somebody says to you, listen, why do you believe in Christianity? You don't say, well, come to church on Sunday and you'll find out. No, you tell them why you believe, you tell them what you believe. That's what he means by this. And that's why verse 16 says, and keep a good conscience. You cannot have sin build up in your life and not confess it and be ready. You've got to be clean before the Lord. So to be an effective witness means you have to be reliable, you have to be ready. But it also means there's another quality, you have to be restorative.
2: Isn't that the goal of our witnessing? To bring people into a right relationship with the Lord Jesus. Ultimately, our purpose is to bring him glory. But the means is through providing the information that the Holy Spirit can use to convict and convert unbelievers and make them into fully devoted children of God. We'll get more into that restoration aspect of preaching on the next Verse by Verse. Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel featuring the expository or verse-by-verse teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff. If you want to visit Lakeside some Sunday, Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. Give us a call at 727-441-1714 or go to our website, lakesidechapel.com. As I said, Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside and we have our own website, versebyverseradio.org. Our message archive page is probably the most popular page on the site and with good reason. We have an archive of hundreds of previous broadcasts and all of them are freely available for streaming or downloading. There's also information on the giving page if the Lord is nudging you in that direction. We depend on and are grateful for the generous listeners who help to underwrite the cost of producing and airing these daily programs. Whether you can give or not, we'd love to hear from you how the Lord is blessing you through verse by verse. You can use the Contact Us link for that purpose. This is Jerry Peterson inviting you to tune in to the next broadcast. Pastor Steve has some thoughts on one of the uncomfortable aspects of sharing the gospel. I hope you can be here for that discussion.